0: Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to October. Welcome to our next seasonal transition. So let's take a moment to just settle in and gather up anything that we might need. And being aware too that as we move into a different month and a little bit deeper into the autumn season, maybe some things change with your your tea routine that you have here. Maybe things change with your setup. Maybe you've got a nice fuzzy blanket this morning, like I do maybe you're gravitating towards a heavier fuller tea something that is a little bit warm or maybe slightly toasty a little bit cozy and know that these things are a response that you're acknowledging for your own body you know notice that when we make these little shifts in our practice that to to do something like work with a different tea, work with a different tea bowl, change the setup on our tea table to maybe reflect a little bit of the outside and a little bit more of a nature theme going on. That these things are not aesthetic. They are something that is a response to our body's natural cues, something that helps us to settle in to the environment that we're around. So we're gonna see what we need this morning as we start to settle in with the different tea that we have, maybe if we have a blanket, anything that might help you feel a little bit cozy. And then to get started, let's consider the tea that we are gonna be working with today. So whatever tea that you are drawn to work with, let's pause and let's consider why this tea. So holding your tea that you've selected for yourself and just taking a moment to appreciate, to give thanks for the tea that you have, that you hold. And pause to note what it was about this tea that drew you to it this morning. Maybe this is a beloved morning favorite of the fall season. Maybe this is something that you find yourself turning to every October. Or maybe this is something that you've been working with a while over the late part of the summer and just something that really resonates with you currently. And Maybe you're trying something new. Maybe you reach for something in the cabinet that said, this feels right. Just pause, and just consider your tea. And those of you who are joining us for the first time this month for the series, welcome. We're happy to have you here. The way that we brew the tea, most of the time in our sessions together is bowl style, which you're free to do however is best for you in your morning routine. What I'm gonna be guiding us through is the bowl style. So you just need a mug, or a teacup that's kind of on the larger side that feels comfortable to hold with two hands. So nothing that's super enormous. But maybe not one of the little teeny tiny teacups either something that just feels like a good two handful serving. And we prepare our tea loose inside this cup. So whenever you're ready. You can simply place some of the leaves inside your cup. At the bottom. and Try not to overthink this part. If you feel like you need a little bit more, like I'm going to put in a little bit more today of this particular tea, you can put a little bit more. If you think you might have put in a little bit too much, you can take some out. This is a little bit of practice with what you need, with listening again to what the body is calling for. And so what you might practice with today could be a little bit different next week. Or if you're practicing in mornings in between sessions, you could change it up. And then as you measure out your tea in your cup, maybe taking the cup itself with two hands and pausing to consider what's inside. You could bring the cup up to the nose and we can smell the tea. And when we pause to smell our tea, this is really just a simple breathing in, breathing out over the leaves. So we're not really sniffing to investigate or to try to identify something. We're just breathing, but in the company of tea. Breathing in the company of tea. And just noticing how the body feels with this particular tea. And the tea that I'm working with today is a late summer, early fall black tea from Nepal. And I chose this tea because it has these really warm cooked fruit notes, which I think are so very evocative over the fall season. It helps you settle. It helps you just feel a bit better internally what's going on. Just consider what drew you to your tea. Maybe it was something about the taste or something that was a sensation to. And whenever your hot water is ready, for this practice it doesn't need to be a full boil, just hot enough. We can get our tea kettle. I'm pausing for a moment before we transition to adding the water over the leaves, just feeling the weight of the kettle in our hand. And then as we move to add water over the leaves, we go really slowly, really enjoy this, this motion we only get to do once during the practice of adding tea over fresh leaf. And seeing how each leaf reacts to the stream of the water. Noticing the steam as it rises in the air. And then once you've added the water to your tea, just turning your attention to what is happening inside the bowl today. What do you notice about the environment inside the bowl with your tea? So you might notice a slow and soft expansion happening with the leaves. If you're practicing somewhere where maybe it's distinctly a little bit chillier this morning than it has been previously when you've been with us, you might notice it's a little extra foggy, a little extra steamy in the cup. If you're choosing a different tea, you might notice the color of the water is a little bit different right now. Maybe starting to change to a golden, to a soft amber. autumn season can be a lot of visual external cues happening in the world around us. Leaves changing color, the sunlight changing in the morning, the temperature in the air is different, the humidity causing some dryness, causing some sense of real connection to the earth. It's an earthy season. and see if you see some of that reflected in the tea this morning. Autumn can be a time when people really connect to their tea on a very felt sense. It can feel like this is the perfect time to come to tea. If it feels comfortable to lift the cup You can lift it with two hands and bring it to the nose again and smell the tea. You can also, if your cup is a little too hot, you could lower yourself to the table and smell the tea this way, whichever works for you. But here again, we're just breathing the tea and noticing how the breath moves in the body as we breathe this particular tea. setting the cup down for a moment we'll let the tea steep and settle for a moment let's return our attention back to ourselves ourselves as we sit with the tea it's allowing the hands to rest in the lap for a moment and if you'd like if it's focusing for you you can close your eyes you can also just look at the tea in front of you Bring your awareness back inside your own physical body. Notice how it feels to sit on the cushion that you're sitting on this morning. How it feels like to let the weight settle, allowing yourself to just feel heavy. Feel the points where you make contact with surface below you. just noticing sensations in the body that really seem to be at the surface. Something that stands out to you. It might be a place that feels particularly heavy and relaxed right now. Or you might have maybe a muscle or joint or just an area that feels a little sleepy, a little sore, a little stiff still. It's going to need some movement later. just observe what's on the surface without trying to change it or fix it or correct it. We just wanna see what's there, what's interesting. What is interesting right now. And then for just a moment, take both your hands and place them over the center of the chest, over the heart center, as we would say in yoga, allowing the palms to just rest. And beneath the palms, feel the breath move. Without trying to deepen or lengthen your breath, just notice how the breath moves underneath your hands. This is a sensation of the breath moving this morning for you. Notice if it feels different at all to connect breath to a a physical sensation, a physical point of contact, such as the hands. Sometimes working with the breath can feel maybe at first a little like an abstract idea when we're just noticing it in the body. What does it feel like to place hands on the body and then feel the breath move? and allowing the hands to lower to the lap again. And now for just a moment, place your attention on what's going on upstairs. What is the mind like this morning? And without following any of the threads, without scrolling through, just noticing what's going on. Does it feel like it's running rush hour perhaps? Is it kind of busy up there? Is it a little slower? Maybe is it like Sunday morning slow? Are there things that are particularly sticky grabbing at your attention? Are there little moments where there's spaciousness and pause? Just observing the same way that we did the breath the same way we did the body, just what the mind is like without trying to change anything. Allowing yourself to come back into the fullness of you. Just spending a little bit of moment deeper inside where it's quiet. Peeking around, come back to the fullness of your body. Come back to the tea that is in front of you. And as you're looking at the surface of the tea in front of you, notice what is still, what has settled Leaves that have expanded and are now just bean. If your tea feels like it's an okay temperature now, you can lift the cup. And where there's a little space in the water, you can take a sip between the leaves. In this style of the practice, we leave the leaves in the water interacting with them the whole time, noticing how they influence the experiences. They change and evolve over the whole time that we're sitting. And as you sip the tea, first notice what it feels like on the surface, physical body. What sensations do you notice in the tea? What tactile sensations in the mouth? body dryness smoothness what is there in the physical form as you're drinking your tea Just at your own pace. This is taking a sip of two at a time and then just pausing to consider how that sip feels. Just taking in a little bit of tea at a time. Notice where the tea goes as we swallow. And how does it affect your breath? Place your awareness again on how the breath is moving in the body. And after a few sips of tea, is that a little bit different? It might feel pretty much the same or maybe just a little bit warmer. But depending on you and the tea and just kind of those conditions together this morning, it might also feel pretty different. might feel like the breath goes deeper into the belly, that you can feel more movement in the abdomen. might feel more of an expansion or the ability to release the breath really well at the end. Just notice what changes. Following the breath with our tea, you might also notice some stillness happening. Stillness in the body, but also stillness in the mind with our thoughts. They're still there, but maybe they feel a little less sticky a little slightly smoother. Kind of like the surface of a lake that has some gentle waves at the surface, little ripples, just like the surface of the tea. Drinking the tea down a little bit more, we get closer to these leaves. We get closer to what they are offering to us. And there's a depth that's there. There is a texture, layers that we didn't notice before. And there is stillness here too. in this space? What does it feel like to be within the stillness of the tea and the stillness that is somewhere deep inside for you? And we'll sit with that for just another minute or so. And then we'll transition to some more thought and some more discussion around this month's subject, which is the kosha model. The layers of self. And as we sit together for the rest of our time, feel free to add more water to your tea. You can drink a second infusion, you can go deeper, or to just sit with what is, whatever feels right for you this morning.
1: During the civil rights movement, that little song, I guess you could call it a mantra, was um, used very frequently during demonstrations, peaceful protests. Um, people, People were singing it as they were being attacked by police officers, beaten, stones being thrown at their heads for being black or for being white and anti-racist. Um, and the, the the song became... Um, the song ha- has sort of threads in the contemporary moment as well. They, uh, the activists who went to Charlottesville to counter-protest against this kind of alt-right nonsense, they were also using it. Um, you, have, uh, you have this little army of uh, white people chanting Nazi slogans, basically. And then next to them you have uh, this, this diverse group of people chanting this little light of mine. And the, the kosha model is based on this little light of ours. How do we access it? How do we bring it into this world? And um, how do we allow ourselves to be illuminated by this light that somehow comes from within us? The, so the word kosha, K-O-S-H-A, it's usually translated transliterated in English. It's usually um, translated as sheath. Uh, I've also heard it translated as shadow or veil. And the, the the word that you choose to translate it as obviously has major ramifications for how you visualize the model. Um, let's go with sheath for now. and. So the the term pancha kosha in Sanskrit is five sheaths, pancha kosha. And the way that, for those of us that have been studying um, yoga in the West, um, contemporary, just sort of general yoga environment, this is, I'm just going to share my screen for a moment to show you uh, the, the way that it's showing up, and I'll try to explain it for those of you that are just listening to the audio. So let's keep in mind that it's impossible to visualize this. It's impossible to visualize the Panchakosha kosha model because it is not really a, a related to the visual plane at all. You can't see a difference between the different sheaths. So um, that being said, this diagram is—you know—you have to diagram it in some way to start to, to start to grapple with it. So the the um, The sheaths move from gross to subtle. The most tangible to the least tangible. And they begin uh, on the gross side of things with the anamaya kosha. And that's the physical body. It literally means the food sheath. The sheath of food. And then a step more subtle, the pranamaya kosha the energy body, prana. A step more subtle, the monomaya kosha. And this root word, manas, is mind in Sanskrit, but sort of... Um, I'm tempted to, to, to use the term mechanical mind. Like, it's the, um, it's the, it's the mechanics of cognition. Manomaya Kosha, a step more subtle vijnana maya kosha, vijnana wisdom, it's usually translated as the the wisdom sheath, and at the core, the most subtle layer of this model is called the Ananda maya kosha. Ananda is almost always... Oh, and um, I should clarify that uh, if you're looking at this visually, there's a typo. It's Ananda, not Ananda. Ananda Mayakosha. Almost always translated as bliss. And I find that to be a really unsatisfying translation. But I can't think of a better way to say it. Maybe radiance sheath? This little light of mine sheath? I'm not sure how to say it. Um, The... because the word bliss in English has connotations of like ecstatic pleasure, right? Um, the, The bliss of of a delicious meal, or or something, something that is, you know, bliss is. I think the way that most of us understand it is like very, very temporary experience. And um, the Ananda, the subtle layer, is not a. Um, we might experience it in glimmers, but a glimmer of Ananda is not the same as. Um, the feeling when a craving is satisfied. Um, The feeling when a craving is satisfied is still something that's happening more on the layer of the outer body, right? Um, Maybe the mind is being satisfied by something brought in through the senses. and it's not to say <clears throat> that experiencing uh, pleasure has no relationship to uh, this model, just that let's keep let's keep bliss with an asterisk on it, and maybe in parentheses maybe italicized so why this model for this moment for many of us this is a um, a time of profound grief and um, it is a time where keeping despair at bay is a daily practice that um It is a time when, if we look at the arc of history, it does not necessarily appear to be bending towards justice. And for many people, it is a time when light is hard to find out there. So I've I've long taken refuge in the yoga teachings because of their, in so many different ways they um, sp- they point to this idea of inner illumination. That the that actually the source of the light is not something that you can bring in from the outside although certainly our experiences in the world can help to cultivate our relationship to illumination. And may we all be working in our um, humble and not so humble ways to produce a world that creates more readily available access to illumination for all embodied beings. But how are we going to traverse this time? And how can, we, how can we connect to a place within us that is stable and nourishing, so that we can be a refuge to ourselves when that refuge is not available around us? And so I think, for Susan, and I, this is where this model becomes quite interesting. So, maybe just to give a brief um, explanation of practices that might help us to engage with some of these layers at the risk of being too didactic. The uh, Anamaya Kosha, the food body, right? Um, if we are practicing uh, with the Kosha model in mind, our intention is to connect to the more subtle sheath. So how can we use the physical body to connect to the subtle experience of pranamaya kosha, the energetic body which pervades the food body? And so we all have perhaps physical practices, yoga, um, using the body in ways that uh, generates an interesting sensation that perhaps challenges the body or creates rest for the body, that stretches or pulls or twists the body um, in, in a way that makes the pranamaya kosha, the energetic body, observable. And so I think that's a key distinction between things that we might call yoga and other body-based practices where the body is um, kind of sacrificed, right? If I think about certain, um, certain forms of just intense exercise, for example, where it's like, you know, I'm just gonna go full throttle until, until I break this thing or, you know, until I cannot anymore. Um, and I think that um, body practices that uh, create depletion um, are not actually i 'm going to say they 're not yoga practices although i 'm open to your disagreement on that one because if the if the result of the practice does not create more subtle experience then um, then it 's not helping us move inward to find this this illumination so uh, if we 're practicing on the level of the pranamaya kosha, then you know our most reliable place to access that is through breathing breathing practices um, are perhaps the most direct physical tool to accessing this energy sheath we start to get a sense of what it is to be stimulated by the inhale what it is to be calmed by the exhale and we start to experiment with um, the refuge that comes from pausing the breath in skillful ways. And you'll know that you've got a good Pranamaya Kosha practice going when it provides some ability to observe the mind. When it creates more awareness of the sheath that is more subtle, which is the Manomaya Kosha, the sheath of the mind. And cognition. And you can practice directly with the Mano-Maya Kosha through practices like meditation where you attempt to encounter the mind. And, you know, meditation doesn't always mean sitting on a cushion. For me, uh, journaling is a really important meditation practice. Working on taking cognition and stringing it into words and then that string of words influencing cognition and so forth. And you'll know you've been practicing well on the maya kosha, the sheath of the mind, when this kind of nebulous sheath of wisdom becomes more perceivable, perceptible. Are those both words? Yeah, I'm Not sure. How to practice directly on the Wisdom Sheath or the Ananda Sheath? Mmm, things get a little bit more slippery, I would say. I, I don't think I can reliably recommend um, a practice that will take you directly to either of the two most subtle sheaths. Although, worth considering that practices in which the body is fully surrendered might be useful methods of moving more deeply um, into these core layers, something like yoga nidra, the conscious relaxation practices of yoga, where you the body is completely at rest. Certainly, um, for me, mantra chanting practices have a lot of potency for getting in there. But anyway, I don't. Um, I don't think it's important that we that we directly map this whole this whole thing, right? Um, I think it's probably more important that we remain open to the, the mystery of this process, that it, it isn't exactly um, something that we can prescribe. We might have ideas, but I think for every embodied being, navigating these sheaths is going to be a really personal process. Thank you so much for your presence and attention. The Pancha Kosha five sheath model that I was discussing can be found, the roots of it can be found in the Taittiriya Upanishad. That's, oh, let me see if I can spell this in real time without looking at it. T-A-I-T-T-I-R-I-Y-A, I -I -I I think that's it. Upanishad is U-P-A-N-I-S-H-A-D, usually. And uh, the, the elaboration on those um, that source that creates the what we now consider the pancha-kosha model um, is from a text called the Viveka Chudamani. V-I-V-E-K-A-C-H-U-D-A-M-A-N-I. Wow, I need some more coffee to do that. Didn't know I was going to be doing that. Um, if you have any questions about anything that I said, you can find me at adam at adamgrassi.com. That one's easier. G-R-O-S-S-I. Oh
0: my gosh, I'm impressed. Like, I can't spell that way. I have, to, <laughs> I have to do the little, write it out with my fingertip or type it out or something like that. I would be bad at spelling bee. Uh, <laughs> mine's easier to spell. I'm Suze, S-O-O-Z, nice and phonetic at beingtea.com and you can join Adam and I live in the studio every Friday morning if you'd like to sit for teen contemplation with a live audience and do a little sharing afterward and we look forward to practicing with you again sometime soon.